0: Welcome Dallas to the World XP podcast. So, before we get started, I have to shout out Coach uh, KZ Fit Coach. The apparel super comfy, great stuff to record podcasts in. Uh, never, uh, never have to think about it. It's just super comfortable. Put it on, and we go. Dallas, it's been uh, you're fresh off a complete and utter domination of nationals for for the yes, NCAA D one swimming and swimming and diving.
1: Yeah, swimming and diving, yeah.
0: Swimming and diving, complete and utter domination, apparently, is is the adjective that we're <laughs> that we're using. <laughs> Go through so for those that don't know anything about swimming and how it works as far as scoring and whatever. Can you take us through sort of your your team won? Obviously, people would know, like who've watched the Olympics, mm-hmm. oh he came he was faster than the other person. But what does it mean to sort of have a team win? in swimming
1: yeah the team win is you know at uva it's it's it is really about the team and to have a team win means that you know you have 16 to 18 women you know we're talking women's ncaas here or men you know we had our men also they placed ninth at nationals which is also fantastic for them um a team win means you just have across that depth you just have you know, you have all these women from, you know, winning events. Paige Madden won three individual events all the way down to, you know, if you just have someone score in the B final, um, which could be, you know, five or six points, but you have across the board, you have point scoring throughout the whole team. It's hard. It's, it's, it, you know, it's hard to win an NCAA event, I'd say. You know, if you win one, that's an impressive feat. And, you know, every now and then you're going to get colleges that have, you know, one one swimmer who's just so great at what he does or she does, and they go in and win an event or two. Um, a good example of that is Minnesota's... Um, uh, I'm blanking on his name right now because I'm thinking women. Um, but anyway, for a team to win, you know, you got you got to have the whole team on board and scoring and swimming at their absolute potential. Um, you know, Kate Douglas was swimming at her potential. Ellen Nelson swimming at her potential page. Again, like I said, swimming at her potential, but you have to have, you know, those, those scores are all, always going to be up there at the top scoring 20 points. You know, you get 20, if you win an event, and then it goes 17, 16 all the way down through one point. So, you know, having, you know, you have one swimmer who's there for one event and she she scores ninth or tenth. And that's, you know, you get those few points, but it's like, you know, across the board, your team is scoring points. And that's a hard feat to do. It's hard to assemble a team for the NCAA championships and not only take the team there, but also score at, you know, the high enough level to score points. You know, after 16 place, it's it's a goose egg. You get zero points. So it's hard to have that depth and be successful at it.
0: So how many events are across a, uh, like a meet like that? How, so like how many events and then about how many points on average per event would you need to kind of run away with a, with a win or a championship?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's 21 events total and that's including diving, um, you know, to run away with a meet, um, there's always the old adage where it's like, if you win the relays, you win the meet, um, And because, you know, relays are double individual points. So if you win a relay, it's 40 points. If you win an individual event, it's 20 points. Um, And all the points are doubled from there. So, you know, if your relays, you know, our relays were top three for the women's meet. And if you're top three, those are, you know, 38 or 37, 36, all the way to 40 points. Um, And you can, that's, you know, you do some damage with it. I wouldn't say there's, you know, a specific point total that makes you like oh this is the points you need to win because you know theoretically you could have just such a because there's so many different teams it's not like a you know a soccer situation where you have um, Manchester United versus Arsenal and they score points individually against each other Um, now in a dual meet format you know that works but for you know a championship style meet there's you know 25 different teams here at this meet and you know, you could have someone from the very bottom score, you know, 20 points and that throws off the whole mess. Um, You know, if you get a run, you know, we were, we were a hundred plus over NC state. Um, So, you know, if you're, if you're over a hundred, 150 around that mark, I'd say you're pretty, pretty set on winning. Uh, I think it was 491 was our total points to 354. NC state was second with, 354 if i'm remembering correctly don't don't hold me to that um but yeah no i mean you know there's no there's no exact number to hit i'd say
0: yeah i, w- I would say though even if you cross into like the th- like 350 high 300s low 400s you're looking pretty good at that point
1: yeah mm-hmm. regardless
0: yeah. of kind of what everybody else is doing right um so to qualify for that is that just based on times or team times because you said there's 25 like 25 schools at the event there's 21 or 25 schools at the meet 21 events but that doesn't leave like some schools wouldn't have people in every event
1: yeah exactly so and
0: how does the qual how does the qualification for that work
1: uh the best way to describe it is so there's a time standard that everyone needs to hit and there's technically two time standard there's a b cut so NCAA cut, and that gets you a qualifying time. Now, if you get a qualifying time, you need to be top twenty-one. Sometimes it's the NCAA, depending on how many swimmers they want to take in an event. Um, you know, like when I swam D three, I remember the like the men's hundred fly when I swam. They only took like like 17 that year or something like that and I was fourth so it's like well I'm safe but you could have been 18th and been like what the heck and then in a different event they're taking 20 and you could have made it in that event if that was it so um, there's a time standard there's like a bottom time standard which is called an NCAA B cut and then there's an A cut right above it which is you know if you get an A cut it's, it's an automatic qualifying cut and they're you know relatively faster I'd say um, so if you get an A cut, you know, you're definitely deserving of it because you're going to be in the running for top five, top six, you know, depending on the event sometimes. Um, and so that's for individual basis. So like, you know, if last year's in NCAAs at Hatton, William & Mary, you know, small, you know, mid-major division one school, they had a guy who was second or third in the 50 freestyle and he would have made the event. But William Mary doesn't have a relay that would have gone to the event. So that's where you look at relays also. In all relays, there's a B-cut, and they just take the top 18 to, you know, 25, just, you know, depending on the division or depending on, um, depending on the event. You know, they'll take, you know, X amount of relays, and that's what they'll take. And it changes on the years sometimes, you know, just depending on times or money or something. You know, it, it's really up to the NCAA for picking who makes it
0: hmm so yeah, it's
1: it's kind of it's a little weird
0: <laughs> when you're talking times and this has always been something that's like i've wondered about when how much improvement is there based on like assuming that the like the like the work ethics of two swimmers are about the same how much of that is like is it down to height and just like physical like gifts i guess versus like in other sports it's you can be smarter than another player or you can like have a better three-point shot if you're shorter and you can like make a like kind of make a place for yourself in in a sport in other sports but for swimming is is it just kind of based on like there's not really a way at least that i've could think of that there is to do that um can you kind of like elaborate on how swimmers improve and then like the ability of someone that you would say maybe like, isn't so good. Like, all right. Have you seen somebody who you'd, who you'd say like before, like, oh, they probably don't have the physical gifts or whatever, but like work really hard and like jump up like more to where you thought they would be, or is it mostly just down to genetics and luck at that point or luck of genetics, I guess.
1: Yeah. I, it's a that's a very it's that's a lot of stuff that I'm gonna try to compile into like one little like easy answer is i mean personally like if we're just talking personally i think I think if you spend enough time with someone, anyone can improve drastically now, if you're talking like two people like battling out, they have the same training schedule, et cetera, et cetera you know size height feet size flexibility all those things all those factors are going to come into play um it's it's the nature of all athletics i think you know if you're bigger stronger faster uh and smarter i mean you mentioned smarter that's one thing it's like you know the longer the race goes um the smarter you need to be i think um just because you know you got to know you got to control like you know how how's my pacing if i'm swimming the four i am like am i pacing right am i doing my turns right um you know, it's my stroke count, right. Going into a wall, you know, you gotta, you gotta have some intelligence to it. So, um, you know, I, I have seen many times, um, you know, someone might be, you know, average in the swim world, you could say, you know, for a man it's, you know, six foot. And for a woman, it's five, seven, five, eight or something. I'm, I'm just throwing stuff out that I think would be average, um, you know, height wise. And, you know, it's, it's, I mean, you can have average, people come in, train them properly, teach them how to do it. And, you know, personally I've seen some really great examples, actually one at UVA. So we had a, we have a guy named August lamb and he's a, he's a goofy kid. I hope he's watching this and laughing. Um, but he's really, I mean, he's, he's a good guy and he worked his butt off. He came in as a walk-on at UVA and you know, he had swam club, you know, he, he had a, he had a background, I will say, which is helpful. Um, (laughs) but he just worked his butt off. I mean, my God, he just, you know, he, he took the extra time. He, you know, did what he needed to do and then some, and then he became our fastest 50 freestyler the year, two years ago, I guess now. And then this past year, I mean, he, he crushed it again. You know, I definitely think that he's going to continue improving. And, you know, I will say, you know, out of, in the sport of swimming, a lot of people are just like, Oh, like, you know, the crazy, you know, they're crazy. Why do they train so much? And, you know, they're up at 5 a.m. swimming. And the reason for that is, you know, you get up to train in something that you're not used to a lot. So when we're, you know, we're playing soccer, I'm going to keep using soccer because you're Mr. Mm-hmm. Soccer. Sorry. <laughs> you know, soccer and running and walking and jumping, those are things that come natural to people because, That's what we do every day. You walk to work, you walk to Mm -hmm. class, for example. Those are motions that are normal. Swimming is complete. I mean, you're going from this to, you know, I'm sorry for people who are listening. You're going from like vertical to horizontal and you're doing movements that are very unnatural. I mean, when was the last time you saw somebody walking around swimming breaststroke in the air to walk? Never. (laughs) So, you know, if you put someone in the water for, four hours a day, plus weightlifting an hour, plus dry line an hour, you do that six days a week, um, give or take, you know, with hours and whatnot. Um, you know, you're going to see a lot of improvement. And I think that, you know, biologically, yes, you want to, you want to get the kid who's, you know, six six, you know, 250, you know, or a woman who's six foot and, you know, 165 and they're all pure muscle and they've been swimming since they, you know, were three years old. Mm-hmm. And have like a million, you know, age group records, and you want that, but it's like, you know, I, I think it's kind of a little personal. I wasn't the shortest guy either, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, swimming wise. I there's a great picture my dad has of me in the blocks at NCAAs, and it's like I'm five eight, and then like the next guy's six foot, and then six, <laughs> two, and it goes up from there. And it, it's, you know, you're gonna have every now and then you're going to have stories like that. And I think they're great. And I, I think that I never, I never would put, you know, Oh, like, you know, because they're, you know, X height, they're not going to be good um, because I think if you spend enough time with someone, you can make them good. You're going to have to work at it different ways and train them um, mm-hmm. probably a little bit harder and they're going to have a higher ceiling. But, you know, I think, you know I think like and I I love our sport because swimming is just it shows true athleticism like you just got to be so good at being uncomfortable and not even just like you know physically uncomfortable because I don't know how often you swim but putting your head down in water and not breathing is not not comfortable but also it's just like you're horizontal doing weird motions and um. so I think I think anybody can be trained I've worked with division three swimmers and now I've worked with olympian hopefuls and olympians and it's just like you know i've seen i've seen the differences and you know if you asked me two years ago that question i would have been like oh yeah like it gotta be 6'6 and you know be be gifted by god almighty Mm -hmm. and it's just like you know (laughs) that's that's not uh i wouldn't i wouldn't totally agree with that now Mm
0: -hmm. the reason i ask is because especially in soccer you've got guys who are like super tiny Messi, it's like five six, and yeah. Ronaldo six two, or like even Z- like Zlatan is like six four, and you can find spots for all of them, and they can all get to the same sort of like world class level. Where I feel like, I guess my question to you is like in swimming, to get to like if you're if you're like under the six foot mark, is like is there a cap to like yeah you're probably not going to be an Olympian, or like I guess that's kind of what I was getting at I feel like there's so, there's kind of a barrier but again like I don't I don't, obviously I'm not a swimmer so I don't know yeah
1: I, I don't know if there's like a like, barrier per se like a, cap it, I to like
0: a cap to like the highest highest level
1: I'd say the the factor that caps you from the highest level is feel of the water and I know that's a weird terminology it's just you know when when you're swimming you know some people have a more natural feel for the water and they can mold it, shape it, move it better than most people. And I think those, those people develop faster and therefore perform better and will continue, especially at like the highest level. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I've seen, I can't remember his name exactly, but I remember a a long time ago, uh, University of Georgia had a swimmer who was like, five eight or something like that and it was like third at Olympic trials um I was there for a swim camp and I remember the head coach Jack Bowerley brought him and he talked to the group and he was he was very short but he was built I mean he was definitely built but he just like he could move um mm-hmm. and it's just the feel so the feel of the water is just like you know how how well you can move and shape and work the water for you so I'd say you know like I'd say you know height is always going to be you know if you're if you're below six foot it's going to be a heck of a lot harder like Mm -hmm. a lot harder um or you know if you're below below like five four for a woman like it's going to be a lot harder but there are definitely examples of people who um who have done it but i'd say you know generally speaking you know most people are taller it's like you know in any sport like in basketball you're gonna have like you know you'll have every now and then you'll have one guy who comes down and is like blowing up the field and you know um i'm trying to think of one off the top of my head uh mugsley bogues i think was pretty short i think it was like yeah. five nine or something yeah, yeah so it's like you'll every now and then you'll have that but you know being above six feet is uh mm-hmm.
0: that's I just the, because when you like watch a swim meet it's like they have like if you're that if you have the extra like Three four inches, like you don't have to do that extra stroke or like that reach will yeah. get you mm-hmm. get you the touch that you need to like to win that extra like, yep. millisecond or whatever. Yeah. Because um, especially once you get once you get up to those margin like the, those levels, those margins are so so fine. Oh yeah. It's, like one like little just little things.
1: One hundred can separate yeah, you. Yeah. Exactly. Seriously. And yeah. And I mean you know you that's always going to help you. Um, you know, everybody knows the, you know, Phelps race in 08 and the hundred fly where he Mm -hmm. just barely out touched um, by 0.01. And it's just like, you know, I don't know their heights, but I'd be curious to see if, you know, if Phelps was like an inch taller or something like that, you know, but I mean, you know, he had a huge, he has a huge wingspan too. I mean, you can look at wingspan heck. I mean, you could be like, Oh, what's their wingspan. Um, if you want a good example of that right now like currently in the ncaa for women's sports we have you know at uva lex wenger is you know our our best brushstroker and she's i mean she's not super tall if i had to guess i don't know her height off the top of my head also shout out to lex she's she's the she's the best um (laughs) lex is maybe five six five seven um but i remember watching the hunter breaststroke with her, and then NC State has a girl, Sophie uh, Hanson, and she's six one, six. she's tall. I don't know what her bio says, but it's not, her bio is incorrect. She's like two inches taller. (laughs) She's very tall, and she's very talented, and, you know, it's, you know, Lex would always pull up to her. They'd hit the wall and turn, and Sophie would always be in front of her because she was taller. Like, she'd Mm -hmm. always hit the turn because she always had an extra inch, so if, yeah i mean you know having that extra inch is going to help you but i would never i would never discourage someone who wasn't at that height threshold um yeah, yeah there are of different course ways not. to have speed yeah
0: yeah of course not it was more just like more just a curiosity thing about once you like jump up to that like olympian hopeful level like mm-hmm. have you is that something that you've noticed yeah. um speaking of olympians and olympian hopefuls I know you've been coaching a few at uva yeah um and so what is their sort of, cause obviously they're still students, mm-hmm. but what is their sort of mindset as far as they balancing school and swimming? And then obviously training for the Olympics is, is no joke. Um, so how do they balance that? And like, how do they lean on their sort of support systems mm-hmm. to kind of make sure that they stay on, on track for both of those sort of entities, I guess.
1: Yeah, um, you know the 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 balance between school and I mean, honestly, being a especially a Division One athlete, it's work. Um, mm-hmm. It's school and work, and um, you know, balancing that, I think, for any student athlete, whether it's football to squash, um, it's tough. It's really really hard because if you're performing at that level, you need to have discipline. Um, and dedication to what you do you can't you can't say oh you know like i got uh i got practice at 3 30 and then i was supposed to meet with a group at you know six o'clock or something like that but i'm gonna blow that off because i'm tired like i you know i i got stuff to do i gotta go eat and i'm gonna take a nap maybe play some games like you can't do that um especially you know i've name dropped a couple people on our team already They're olympic hopefuls kate douglas Paige madden uh, alex walsh is another one um, you know, the, those women, you know, if we're just talking Olympic goals, but I will say the whole UVA program, just, you know, truly dedicated and truly, you know, determined to be excellent in both, you know, areas of life, um, you know, balancing that is, you know, it's hard mentally. I will say, I, I give a lot of credit to all of our athletes. I, I'll also say again, shout out to Paige Madden. She is probably the most mentally tough athlete I've ever seen slash worked with. And, you know, she excels in the classroom and she's just an absolute just workaholic in the pool. And she's so good at what she does. And she's, you know, uh, she's, you know, she's honestly kind of a joy to work with because it's really nice to just, here's your practice and you can watch and she'll do it. Um, But, you know, she, I think she would tell you too, you know, she, she needs her support system. And you mentioned that word, and I think that's a great word. And that I'd say the support system in swimming comes from three areas. It's your um, it's your staff, like your coaches, obviously. Um, and at UVA, she has a primary coach, obviously, uh, and that's Blair Bachman. And she's I'd say Blair is super supportive and understanding for all her athletes. And I think to be a truly successful collegiate coach, you gotta have the stuff, um, and the stuff is you know, understanding and empathizing with your athletes in order to help them excel. And so Blair does a great job of that. Obviously, Todd DeSorbo, the head coach at UVA, he um he is masterclassed his, you know, his job. And now people are staring at him just like, what what is he going to do next? Um, Probably but, why you know, he
0: national championships.
1: Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah. huh? Um, and we can get into that later because that's, you know, he's he's done an amazing job. But you know, your support staff is, you know, your, your coaches, um, your family, obviously, I think that, you know, I think a lot of collegiate athletes will tell you that they talk to their parents a lot more probably than the average college student, just because it's so, you know, all these kids are coming from all over the country, and sometimes the world, um, you know, we had two kids, one from, uh, you know, Great Britain, and another one from uh, Poland. So it's like, you know, you have these people coming in from all over the world really um to do this get an education and um to swim and so your family is really important and the last thing I'd say is your friends or your teammates or you know whoever that includes um I'd say also another reason why we were just so successful at nationals and accs and just year-round was because the team bought in and they love each other um now when I say like love each other like obviously like swimmer a and swimmer b are not going to be like best friends they don't have to be but you're going to have a support system there like you're in it together you're all going through that grind together and i think that that makes a unique college experience too i think that that makes you a better student i know that our swim program has always been exceptionally good in the classroom um and i think most swim programs would say that also i think they're pretty pretty good in the classroom um but then also just you know they work out together, they eat together. Most of the time they've lived together. So, um, you know, they're to be a world-class athlete. And I know like, you know, Kate, Alex and Paige, you know, as they prep for the Olympics, especially, because a lot of, a lot of the swimmers, you know, they finished a couple weeks ago and they got that national title trophy. And they were like, they, they finally had that like, ah, big sigh of relief, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it, 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 you know, it's well warranted. They should sigh. Um, I know everybody probably took like, you know, three, four days off. Cause like, you need some time to rest and recuperate, but, um, but man, you know, now every, you know, most of them are training for the trials meet, you know, Olympic trials is coming up in June. Um, but you know, when you're preparing for that, you kind of have to just, you always have to have that mindset flip. It's just like, take it one step at a time, but like, you gotta be, you gotta be ready for the next thing. And that's what, that's why, you know, like I say, like page is so tough. Because last year, you know, or like you know, actually I could say any of the girls—Kate, I could say Julia Mankaus, I could say Jess Nava, I could say any of them who are returners—they're coming back after a year where we're seated to win, and they're just like, oh my god, COVID, and then you know, go through a couple months over the summer trying Mm -hmm. to find places. So we have to build back, and so it's you know, it's hard to, for a swimmer's life, it's always like, what's the next thing until literally your last swim ever, when then you stand on the side of the pool and you go now what and i'm totally not saying that i've experience or anything but
0: um, no you just went straight to coaching and standing right next to the pool again
1: that's exactly right eric that's exactly what i did um but you know you you got to you got to have that support system and you know to do that to you know prep for trials now i mean it's it's a game changer you got to switch courses you know short course yards to long course meters you got to change your mindset from tapering, you know, resting your body and prep for the meet like NCAAs and then back into, you know, all right, we're hitting the water hard and we're going, we're going all out again. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's, it's meant, this sport is a lot of people will say gymnastics is the hardest sport and I'll always be like oh, swimming, but like, I'd say, I'd say swimming is one of, if not the hardest sport out there because of the mental factor, because a lot of people have off seasons there really isn't an off season for swim. There really isn't. You get a couple of weeks here and there, but it's mostly off about
0: season. college for off season.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, and even, even high school, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you'd think high school season, they have their, their big meets in March take a couple of weeks in April back at it, go long course season all through the mm-hmm. summer, two weeks in August, back at it again for short course again. And it's just like over and over again. Um
0: and you you just, mentioned a couple of things I want to touch on first for those listening yeah. that don't know what long course and short course is. Can you kind of describe that?
1: Yeah. yeah. So there are different courses in swimming. Um, there's no, I mean, us Americans love our yards. So we're, you know, the United States from short course yards, that's 25 yards down, 25 yards back. You can figure out the rest um, just by adding um, worldwide uh, FINA, and USA Swimming normally swim short course meter and long course meter. So there's three different courses to swim. Um, the Olympics are swim long course meter, so that's 50 meters long. And, you know, 50 plus 50, 100, you can figure out the math from there. So three different courses in swimming.
0: Do you need, so obviously for like a, like I've seen pools where it's like 25 meters um Like wide and then fifty long, and so you just Mm -hmm. switch which way you go. But for the for the yards one, do you need a different pool for that, or is it, or do you just kind of put a barrier that like cuts off the last like I don't know six feet or whatever it would be.
1: Yeah, yeah. What is it? Six feet? Yeah, Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't know math. Yeah, no. So normal normally like those big, you know, everybody thinks about those huge pools, the big you know rectangle. Um those are the 50 meter ones obviously and then you can divide it you know most of the time it'll be 25 meters across there's something called a bulkhead which is like a movable piece of land quote unquote that you can move throughout the pool and you can you can make yards pools and some pools are built yards um but most of the time I will say like for collegiate pools it's you know you have a 50 meter long course pool and that way you can swim long course meter events which obviously for olympic trials and long course meter meets um you can swim those meets there or practice there and then if you need to move it for a short course meter short course yards you can move that little it's pretty cool i as a volunteer i had to push it a lot um it's not like you know it's not like on its own. you have to push it like physically um mm-hmm. great workout by the way if you need a if you need a good workout push a bulkhead Yeah, um, just and you find just, a
0: random pool with a bulkhead i'll yeah i'll just, I'll just do that
1: yeah. Show up after, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, six, eight practice, we will be moving around eight o'clock. You just show up and just start pushing that thing. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, you can just, you can flip the, you can flip the pool any way you want it.
0: Gotcha. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on was the Olympic trial training. So I know mm-hmm. like for soccer, if you're, if, if you have a player that like, if you're a college coach and you have a player that's training to go pro and they're, winger normally but you want to play them in center mid because that would be the best thing for your team but you play them on the wing for their own like development and so they train as a as a winger do you have swimmers that like for the team they would get more points if they did xyz event but for the olympics they'll probably do this other event and so like how does that happen in swimming and then if so how do you kind of balance that out Uh, With their training and like during the season, are they training like with the Olympics in mind, or is it just like season, season, and then like, okay, now Olympics?
1: Yeah, it's, I'll answer that last one first because that'll kind of set up into the rest of it. You know, I think, I think everybody has like their long term goals and they're just like, I want to make the, you know, I want to go to Olympic trials. Let's just say that's the goal. I want to go to the trials meet because going to the meet itself is, it's pretty tough. So you want to go to trials. Okay, great. What's the first stop in that journey? And that's our mid-season meet. You know, that's in November. Okay. What's the next one after that? Okay. We have conference meet. Okay. After that nationals. And it's, it's a progression almost. So you can't, I would say, you know, you can't, you can't get the gold medal until you take the steps up into it. Um, So, you know, I think as they train towards that, you know, everybody has their specific stroke or strokes quote, that they're you know predominantly better at um and i think people will automatically try to do those most of the time um especially in their training you know if you're if you're organizing a training um you know for one swimmer um you know you want you know you have three events in the ncaa and then you can swim as many as you want for olympic trials um and then if you go to the olympics it's however many events you qualify in um so obviously like you you know, most people are going to know Phelps. Uh, Phelps swam his best, you know, best individual for, and then he was on four relays. So you have, you know, he got four events there and he trained probably for other events too, just because you never know what you're going to qualify for. Um, but, you know, if you're, if you're planning someone's training, you know, if they, for NCAA season, let's say, for example, um, I'll use, I'll use myself as an example. Why not? Um, I swam the hundred butterfly the 200 butterfly and the 200 IM. And, you know, that third event is kind of tricky sometimes because I probably could have swam other things instead, but I would have, I scored the best in that third event in the 200 IM. So for me, I was like, okay, like for my team, what event should I swim? And, you know, as a coach, if somebody has three events that they're just great at and they fit well together training wise, like the 50 free, 100 free, 200 free, that's great put them in it, let's go. Or 50 free, 100 free, 100 fly. That's an even better example because it's short. Um, You know, that's helpful. But I'll use August Lamb as an example again, because I love him so much. I'll I'll pick on him. Um, August, you know, doesn't necessarily have a, like an amazing third event. You know, he's got the 50 free, which he's amazing at, the 100 free, which he's pretty dang good at. And then he's kind of got this third event where he can play around. He's gotten a lot better at his third event. Now he's 100, he's swimming the hundred breaststroke and, you know, figuring out where he needed to be for that kind of was a balance between what can he swim and what is he best at for the team point wise. Mm -hmm. And so when you're putting together a team, you want to have everybody scoring in their three events. Cause if you miss a score in an event, that's, you know, that's points you're missing. Um, Now if you're, you know, let's, let's talk long-term again, let's think Olympic trials. Um, You know, most people who are, you know, very gifted and very talented in the water will swim six, seven events. Um, Alex Walsh. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm obviously not her primary coach. That's Todd, Um, Todd and Blair actually. And, you know, they'll, they'll probably be like, all right, 200 free, 200 back, 200 breast, 400 IM, 200 IM. And I don't know what else they'd put her in, but let's say there's five. So she's got mm-hmm. five events now. So she's going to, you know, especially switching now into this long course meter training for Olympic trials. She's going to be training more towards that stuff in season. You know, when we're, you know, swimming for three events where she has the 200 back um, or 200 breasts, you know, honestly she could swim anything, but um, 200 IM and the 200 free. Let's just go with that. She's going to have a different, you know, different focus. I'd say, you know, when we do, Pacing days, you know, she's going to pick one of those events rather than the 400 IM, because Alex will tell you she hates the 400 Um, Mm IM. She could be very good, but she doesn't like it. Um, So, you know, it's, you know, prepping and scheduling and training for that. It looks different as the year progresses, I'd say. Generally speaking, you know, you have sprinters, mid-distance swimmers and distance people, obviously. Um, And then you have everything in between. Um, which, you know, I think placing people in the right training groups, UVA does a great job with this. Uh, you know, we have four groups there. Uh, Todd has a group. Wes Fultz has another group. Uh, Tyler Fenwick coaches our men's distance group. And then Blair Bachman coaches, coaches our female distance group. And the structure around that, you know, they, they pick and choose very meticulously where people should go. And they're all, they change it up all the time too. You can be in one group one year flip it to another group another year just based on you know there's different styles of training going on in those groups and they're doing different focuses on events Mm -hmm. um you know a good example is todd's group you know 50 100 freestylers and some sprinty people and you know every now and then they'll be swimming a 200 of something um but then west fultz also has sprinters quote unquote but they're doing hundreds and 200s maybe every now and then a 500 swimmer um so you know you have you have all these places to train and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, show that you can put people places like in certain places, but it really, you know, it just depends on like what they're focusing on at that moment for the team or long-term, just depending on, you know, what they're training for and how effective they're going to be in those places.
0: I guess let me give some more context and maybe this will help. In terms of like reps, so like, for example, I've had teammates where probably their best position would be uh, a fullback or a wingback, but the coach is like, they're good enough to play center mid for the team at our level, but for like to jump up a level, they're not good enough to be a center mid, but the coach will play them at center mid because he wants to win at this level. So player will then get upset that, oh, I'm not getting the reps I need to like develop (laughs) in the position where I can like jump to the next level is is like in that sort of context is there enough time to where like they can adjust from one event that's slightly different to another or is it kind of it's all or is at the end of the day is it all like if it's the same stroke and they is it kind of just not to say is it just swimming but like if they're doing the that same stroke and just changing the distance is that like is that a big adjustment for a training regimen or like kind of do you you know where i'm going with that kind of
1: yeah yeah more or less i mean it it, it's it's different stroke to stroke um you know i'd say someone who let me me give you a good example um caroline gamelic she's a fourth year at uva she's graduating. amazing 50 backstroker she was our 50 backstroker on the 200 medley relay that broke the american record and she could fly her 100 back was also very 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 good her 200 back was not i mean it's still very good like don't get me wrong but she would tell you herself she'd rather swim anything else like but i know that you know for the past three years before this year she was in the 200 backstroke because that's where they needed her
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and i'd say you know when you that jump from 100 to 200 is probably the hardest jump for a stroke um so butterfly backstroke breaststroke or freestyle that jump is probably the hardest um because it's it's quite a big double i'd say you know you're doubling the amount of turns you do you're doubling the amount of distance you're doing Mm -hmm. obviously but it's you know that puts a lot more strain on the body you can't you can't Throw, you just can't put your head down and spin basically is what i'm trying to say um, yeah
0: it's like less of it's not really a still a sprint but it's like becoming not a sprint anymore
1: exactly right and so you know i i'd say yeah i mean you know we definitely you know put people in events like that i'd say i'd say the a more common thing that happens is you know you have somebody who's really good at backstroke for example but they're also pretty good at freestyle so mm-hmm. you put them in a freestyle event also um, as their Mm -hmm. third event and you cross strokes. Um, I'd say, you know, the ability to cross strokes is really important. Like you should be a well-rounded athlete um, in swimming because it helps all of your swimming. But yeah, I mean, you know, if, if we, you know, if you want to win, you know, and you have someone who, who you think could, you know, transition, like, Hey, you know what? Um, We're putting you in the 200 fly. Like, I mean, you know, I, Personally, when I swam, I remember my coach, Abby Breathauer. Um, shout out to Abby. Um, you know, I swam the hundred free my freshman year of college, and I'm five eight and I was like hundred and thirty pounds, and I was like mm-hmm. this skinny. And I was I was so adamant that I needed to swim the hundred. And Abby was like, be better swimming the two hundred. Like you think you'd do better. Um, and you know, I probably should have listened to her because then the next year I qualified for NCAAs with it. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean, you know, you gotta, when you're crafting a team, if you're talking about, you know, like crafting a team, um, and putting people in the best position for the team, um, yeah, you're going to have plenty of that. Yeah. I wouldn't say as, as common as you'd think. And then you're training wise, um, you know, they're probably going to be, you know, like, why am I, um, why am I in a 500 freestyle practice when I don't, you know, when I don't do this or, you know, I don't sure. like doing this, but they understand,
0: um, they understand though, that like or like they have enough leeway training time between like nationals and Olympic trials that they oh, can. Yeah. yeah. That's more of what I was getting at. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, yeah, they do. Yeah. It's like, they understand that like, they might not want to do it. It's like, but they'll have enough time to get the reps in that they need yeah. afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like from an individual perspective, obviously from yeah. the team perspective, you'd want to do what makes the team best, but from the individual swimmer perspectives, like they have more than enough time to get in the reps that they need before their own like individual stuff in the summer or whatever
1: yeah and also keep in mind like you have three to however many events especially for like the summer for you know olympic trials they're gonna they're gonna prioritize those better events anyway Mm -hmm. so you know if if the best event for someone is the 200 freestyle they're gonna they're gonna be doing more 200 freestyle stuff than 100 freestyle stuff if that's their second thing and then 200 backstroke because that's their third thing. Like the 200 yeah. back, it was just like extra stuff. Now, like, does it annoy them? Probably. Like, they're probably you know muttering under their breath, like, I hate this. Why am I here? Um, but I think you know they know, like you know, <laughs> it's just you know, like I hate this, but at least I can score points or yeah. you know I can I can make a cut. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah.
0: You mentioned earlier when we're talking about balance between school and swimming. You mentioned it was like work. Most people get paid for work. Oh, uh, yeah. You're NCAA right. athletes do not. And I know this has been a big issue, I think, with the uh, the NCAA football video game that came out. I think, uh, like, they re-released it or started making it again this past year, maybe the year before. Um, and obviously with March Madness and all the ad revenue that comes in for that, that, that the schools get. What are your, as a, as a, Right. So like not to diss UMW or D three schools, but as a D one coach that like from a school that brings in lots of revenue, what are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, I think you know, there's a you, you can look on Twitter and there's probably like lots of memes about it and everything about how athletes are basically just like like unpaid workers or like interns, um, or you know, whatever else. Twitter will mm-hmm. throw out there, Reddit. Um, I'm in the camp that, you know, I I don't see why they can't or shouldn't be paid. And, you know, I think it stems from the fact that it's just like, you see all these schools bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue sometimes. I mean, you could, I, I don't have any specific numbers for any, like a Clemson or Alabama for football, or you look at, um, you know, like a, basketball powerhouse school like Kentucky or Duke or you know they they bring in so much money from these revenue sports um and especially as a non-revenue sport coach you know it's it's hard it's hard to see all the you know this this massive amount of money flowing through and you know some of these athletes you know it's definitely not not as big of a problem in the sport of swimming I'd say I think that's you know a conversation for another time but it's like you know, some of these athletes in football and basketball, like they're coming from really low income houses and, you know, they're, they're, they kind of struggled and they're using, using athletics to get a good education and hopefully play professionally because that's a way to earn money. And, you know, I, I don't understand why I, I recently watched this great documentary on it. And there's an example of a high school prospect student who was getting you know, I, I think he had, like, 50 shoes that were given to him by X, Y, and Z company. And he had all these shoes, but he couldn't sell the shoes that he didn't like because that would go against NCAA bylaws. And then he would get fined, and he wouldn't be able to play in the NCAA. And he could have used that money to help his family, or he could have, you know, donated them to a school or something, but he couldn't do any of that. Um, you know, it's it's definitely – You know, I'd I'd say from a non-revenue sport perspective, you know, people who make the Olympic team do go on to earn money at the Olympics. I've got, you know, four examples right here. Katie Ledecky when she swam at Stanford, $355,000 for winning all her gold medals. Ryan Murphy from Cal Berkeley, $234,375. Simone Manuel, about $200,000. Lily King, $135,000. It's just like they're earning this money competing for the United States and, you know, Operation Gold was, you know, the U S Olympic committee trying to, um, you know, say, Hey, like you can earn money for winning medals and competing for the United States. But it's like, in that against the NCAA, like it's in, in that, you know, that's kind of hypocritical because, you know, if you look at the NCAA's policy as to what varies between an amateur and a pro, you know, if you're paid in any form, or accept any promise of pay for playing an athletic contest that considers you a pro in the NCAA's eyes. But it's, you know, it's clearly just, it's it's a hypocrisy for one thing, but two, it's just like, these people are doing it and they're like the 0.04% of athletes that get to go to the Olympics and get money possibly. Um, So it can work. I mean, obviously it's being done and, you know, you look at the, you know, the marketing revenue and the, um you know just ad sales any anything you know anything that comes from March Madness or you know CFB and you can you can just see that there's plenty of money coming in. Um I don't think that's a you know that's a knack on the NCAA. I just think the NCAA just needs to change with the times because marketing in the past 30 years has exploded. I think as soon as as soon as Nike and under armor and adidas started slapping shoes and gear on teams in the 70s i think it was or the 80s um you know that that was meant for the players to have and to use like at their own discretion like it was used for marketing obviously but it wasn't used as a means to say oh well uh let's not you know let's let these people just basically play play for free like and i don't i don't think that you know, they're going to get a good education, sure, but there's no guarantee they're going to graduate. There's no guarantee that they're actually going to get a good education. That's just the promise the NCAA makes. And, you know, with all that said, it's just like, you know, is, you know, is it really going to hurt EA Sports to put, a you know, the name of someone, the name, image, and likeness in their game and pay them, you know, I don't know how much they pay them. Let's say five grand. Let's just say they pay five grand per player. And it's just like, you know, it's five grand times, you know, however many athletes are, but is that really going to hurt them in the long run, like, every year? I mean, no, I just... No, they I, bring
0: that in from FIFA Ultimate Team in, like, one yeah, week.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, yeah, like, how, many, how much... I remember my brother used to play FIFA, and he spent, like, $500 on those packs, like, the the car, like, to get the, oh, the gold yeah, car. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it's just like, like, that's insane. Like it's it, so, I mean, I think that, I think the times are changing and I think that, you know, it could also be a reflection on athletic departments spending ridiculous amounts of money on, you know, venues and centers and everything. And I don't, I don't necessarily think those things are bad things, but I think that because they're bringing in this stuff, they've gotten a little excessive with it. And then it also could come from, um, you know, it could come from price of tuition also. I mean, if, you know, if it costs 70 grand to go to a school um, and, you know, they're trying to justify, Hey, you're getting a $70,000 scholarship, or you're getting paid 70,000 with room and board and everything. I, I just, you know, I, I think they've gotten a little too complacent, complicit. Yeah. With their, with their money, I'd say, I yeah. think they're bringing in so much like so, so much. I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. And, you know, I think if they really truly care about their players health and safety and their experience and their ability to be like, really, they really are employees. They're the ones playing the sport. Um, you know, I think they, I think, yeah, they should be paid. It's not going to, it's not like they're going to be paid like billions of dollars. Um, you know, especially like you might have one or two every now and then, like, like I imagine if um Mm, let me think of a good player. Like if Tom, well no, Tom Brady wasn't really all that amazing in college. Let's see. Like uh, I'm gonna I'm a Herschel Walker. That's the first name that came to mind. Herschel Walker was like the dominant Georgia running back in the 80s. Imagine if he got money. Yeah, he'd probably make like you know, maybe ninety thousand, a hundred thousand. I mean, he probably would make over a hundred thousand. But it's like that's one player compared to a lineman who's going to make 10, you know?
0: Would you worry about programs or schools that bring in more money? Uh, for example, a Duke or a Kentucky basketball, being able to pay more and then like, how would, how would you decide who got paid what? And <laughs> that's kind of the things that I'm in the camp that I think they should get paid as well. But I think there's a lot of. That opens up the door for a lot of potential. Like, well, that's not fair. And now, since Duke has more money, they'll definitely get all the best prospects, and then no one else will ever win because they just bring in more money. And I don't think that anyone wants that, right? They, you want competitive, yeah. oh, competitive, yeah. Um, environment?
1: Yeah, I'd say. You know, and that's, that's definitely where people go, well, wait a minute, this, and I, I mean, just, justifiably too, because I mean, it is, it is quite a concern, and that's where, you know, like I said, like a big time athlete, like if they're, um, if they're the Michael Jordan in college, and they're just crushing it, they're going to get most of their revenue from, you know, if they're allowed to use their name, image, and likeness, then nike could sponsor mj in college it also i think it'll keep people in college longer too because they can make money in college Mm -hmm. um but you know i don't i don't think i think that all institutions and this is where like if you want a fair competitive environment like i think whether it's the school or the you know the nation or the ncaa really um if they you know, they bring in all this money. So they should also set the boundaries of like, Hey, all, you know, your salary as a NCAA athlete is X, like that's your salary. And that's a flat, like nobody can be paid more from the NCAA across the nation. Like, I that's think that's I like, think. yeah, it's just like, you know, you got to have a salary. Cause like, you know, whatever else comes after that, like you can't control and you can't be like, Oh, wait a minute. You can't go that far. You can't get sponsorships. Cause then that's, it's just the same thing all over again. Um, you know, paying someone is one thing, but it's like, you know, in the true spirit of capitalism, I guess, like if someone is better then they have more opportunities and more ability to go, uh, go and get stuff and they're going to, mm. they're going to want it too. And other people are going to want it also like, you know, I I mean, you know, LeBron, like imagine if LeBron played college and it's just like, you know, he's in college. He gets his flat rate of, you know, whatever X is like, you know, this is what you earn for playing for the university. You get 20K. I don't know. I'm just making up a number, but 20K. Um, He can use that 20K to, you know, go help his mom back home. He can use it to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know what else he'd do with it. Go, you know, go buy more shoes. I don't know why he would, but he could buy different shoes. Um, But LeBron is going to get every company in the world trying to get him a sponsor and do commercials. And so, you know, that's other revenue for him. And he deserves it if he's the best player, like my God, like, of course he does. But, you know, I'm thinking if I'm thinking about non-revenue athletes, I mean, there are definitely sponsorships out there like Speedo, Arena, TYR. Those are, you know, companies that would sponsor probably the better swimmers, obviously the ones who are going to the Olympics or who I've are. even
0: heard of two of those companies.
1: Ah, look at that. There you go. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you know, one of the swimmers, you know, if they had the right connections or fell into it, you know, they could be a spokesperson for like uh, obscure, you know, uh, like the naked smoothie uh, company. Like maybe mm-hmm. they wanted a sponsor and it's just like, they could get, you know, a great sponsor, you know, promoter out of one of our swimmers and you know maybe they make 5k and they get a case of you know naked smoothies congrats but it's like you know that's still something Mm -hmm. and some people might want that and need that and i think that you know that's fair i mean i think that's you know they're already getting their salary quote unquote and i don't think like you know for those who are arguing like oh like the scholarship's a salary and it's just like no the scholarship is the cost of attendance to go there and whether or not they, you know, sp- like, you know, spend the full time there and get a good degree. And, you know, you can also argue, is it really worth 70,000 or however much student loan debts are? And, you know, then you can get That's into a the whole thing. Different discussion. It's a whole different ball game. And then you get into like, I mean, the other thing I'd say is, you know, most people aren't getting full rides, you know, half scholarship, quarter scholarships, six scholarships, you know, I'll pay for your books. I don't know. I mean, you know, so, some coaches, yeah. you know, they get really specific and it's just like, you know, you can't, you can't give out a full ride to every player. um, Unfortunately. So, you know, it's, you know, I don't know. Institutions need to make money, but you know, at the same time they make plenty. You can go on, go on to any state university and you can look up how much they're bringing in each year. They'll have the revenue report. I think all public universities are required to put that out. So.
0: Mm, Should go look that up in my free time yeah and your free time (laughs) yeah uh i also wanted so yeah it's a difficult dilemma i think do you know the original intention behind the like the no sponsorship or like no not getting paid does that have does that have to do with the like the keeping it like an amateur thing
1: yeah i think i think the original intention and you know, you can go all the way back, like back in the day, I don't, it wasn't, it wasn't a business, you know, people went to college to play sports as a part of the education, not a means to education. I think that's, I think that's become the difference is like, you go, you you know, if you're going to play football at, you know, Tennessee, you're going to football, or you're going to Tennessee to play football. <laughs> like, you, you know, you're getting an education too, as a part of it, but you know, you're spending eight hours a day working on your craft of being an athlete, mm. and that's that's where I think it changed because you can. I mean, my great uncle played football for the University of Georgia and went on to play pros. Um, and his salary was like something super cheap when he got to the pros; it was only like twenty thousand or something ridiculous like that. Um, but you know, Fran, you know, Fran went to just play football at the University of Georgia. Like he was just going to have fun and play it and get a good education. There was no incentive I'm sure they might have had scholarship but there wasn't the you know the blown up you know business that has become college sports and and you know if if the NCAA wanted it to stay as an amateur area you know where only amateurs can play they should have kept marketing and ad revenue out of it they should have you know taken all the, you know, they shouldn't charge. I don't know how much it is to see a football game now, but.
0: Well, no, why would they do that when they don't have to pay (laughs) the athletes anything and they can just take all the money?
1: Yeah, and, you know, that's that's the unfortunate thing. Yeah, so, and I mean, you know, it's there's also probably a lot of other little things. I'd say, like, something to overlook totally is, like, you know about support staff, athletic trainers, they get paid, like, nothing. And they're, like, the medical providers. But I know part of the argument for, you know, keeping amateurism and it is like, oh, they get healthcare and they get this. And it's just like, right. But athletic trainers are only paid like this tiny sliver of amount of money because they don't, they don't prioritize the athlete's health or, you know, happiness, really. I mean, it's just, it's hard. Like they, you know, if I'm an injured athlete, I have to go get training and it's, you know, if they're not funding athletic training to its full extent, then the athlete is not going to get you know they're not going to get as better as quickly as they could or be as happy as they could and that trainers also probably probably like wow i probably should have gone to med school
0: <laughs> what so they can go in more debt yeah I,
1: well that's no, there you go back to the debt should, thing so. i should stop making debt. <laughs> <laughs> but i mean um, you know it's 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 definitely a double-edged sword but like the flat answer is the times are changing athletes need to be compensated for all the work they do
0: Hundred percent. Want to get your thoughts a little bit. We don't have to go in too deep to this before either of us say something stupid. Um, but the the sort of gender pay gap in professional sports. What are your What are your thoughts on on that? I can give mine. Kind of summarize, but for me. I think it depends on sport on the sport. Like basketball is different than soccer. Like the women's soccer team, the for the national teams anyways, like they have more than good enough argument because they win and the men didn't even qualify for the World Cup. But yeah. from basketball, it's like kind of when you when you talk about like the free market or whatever, you're talking about like capitalism earlier you get paid more if you're the best in the world at something. And and by that standard, it's almost, it almost doesn't take gender into account because none of the women in the WNBA would get into the NBA. So the NBA are the best players in the world, regardless of gender. Now it so happens to be that way because of the gender difference, obviously the height strength, like the physical differences and stuff, but, I don't know. For For me, I think it depends. I I saw like a post going around Instagram that was like, Subert has the same number of seasons as LeBron and the same number of championships and the same number of something else. And I was like, yeah, but that's not the same. And then like when you slid it over, it was like Megan Rapinoe saying that the women's show soccer team should get paid more. And there was like the same argument. And I was like, yeah, but that's totally different. So like, for me, it depends on the sport almost in like the situation like like they all have to be on a case by case basis i don't know that's just my like and i haven't really thought it out that much so if anyone feels the need to comment and be mean to me don't <laughs> i'm not advocating for
1: discrimination obviously but obviously i mean it's a it's a it's a very tough subject right now i think that A lot of things came to light when the women's team, the women's national soccer team brought that up, because I'll be really honest, like, I can't remember the last time I watched the men's national team soccer game, and maybe that's because they don't win, or they're not on air ever, because they don't go into anything, but I've watched the women more than the men, and I have a blast watching the women, um, because I think they're just absolutely incredible. Um, As somebody who coaches both men and women, I can tell you that, and especially in a sport that... You know, it's not known for like these, you know, incredibly high salaries or, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're like literally the same is like, unless you're Phelps or Ledecky, like it's hard to make a living off swimming. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, I, I, like I said, I coach men and women and I think they both are incredible and they both, they both have, they're both a, a blast to watch. And maybe that's just because I'm a swim nerd um but i've also loved watching like women's ball like, i remember watching jenna play like oh my god like, it was so much fun um they're almost but, different
0: sports like yeah yeah they're I, almost different sports because like when you watch basketball like the women's basketball is so much more fundamental because they can't just like take one dribble and then jump from the like the free throw line and dunk yeah. So it's a lot more fundamental and soccer is kind of it's kind of the same way. It's a lot, it's a lot. Simple is not the right word. It's a lot more like pass and move, like take a touch pass. Like they keep the game simple. And whereas the men's don't do that as don't do that as often. And so they're almost like, and then volleyball, women's volleyball versus men's having. So one of my best friends growing up played volleyball at Penn state. He's like six ten, can jump through like through the roof. It's a it's it's a different sport, almost entirely. <laughs> Just like yeah. I, don't know, I didn't mean I to know cut you, you off. Six ten,
1: that'd be cool. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that the way the games are played are different. Um, I'd say swimming is it's pretty equal. I'd say mm-hmm. like it, we train together and everything, so I'd say it's pretty it's pretty the same. But you know, when it comes to like payment. I've always been in the camp where it's like, I think I think all professional athletes, you know, as, as time goes on, you know, they need to be paid. They need to be paid according to survivability. It's just like, you know, I, I would hate to be a, a woman, you know, and I'm I obviously not a woman, but I would hate to be a woman in the WNBA. And I I don't know salary wise, but I would, you know, it, it would be very hard to, you know, play with like a $30,000 salary I doubt Mm -hmm. it's that low but like that would be incredibly discouraging and then I look at these absolutely insane contracts that some players in football and basketball and soccer get put into and they're just like ah yes $399 billion for five years and it's just like do they really need that much like my god and like I you know I think that I think it's it's a balancing thing. Cause I think in order, I want, I want women to be paid what they like. I want women to be paid I, equals the wrong word. I think, I think women need to be paid a good amount that's survivable and makes them happy. Like, I don't think, you know, I mean, call me not a capitalist, but I don't think anybody needs, you know, $500,000 a year to, you know, just, you know, do whatever, um, you know, they're working, they're training and, you know, obviously they should be if be paid a lot, but I don't think, you know, if the page gap if the wage gap is way too large. And I think it also, that just a, turns into the whole, like, just the real world is just like a pay gap, but if it's too big, then people are going to take note of it and they're going to, they're going to want equality. But I think that, I think with, sports it's very difficult to make that happen quickly and so i think the best i think the best way to go about it is that like you know i don't i mean call me crazy but i don't think lebron needs to be paid like 50 you know million a year or whatever like i I don't know what it is
0: who is is he to turn that down
1: right exactly yeah and so like you know that's that's the problem is that like you know maybe it's Maybe it's the employers, maybe, you know, maybe it's the, you know, governing bodies, the NBA or the WNBA or whoever, but it's like, you know, I think, you know, people need to be paid according to what their profession is. And I think, you know, like I'm a swim coach, like I'm not going to make a lot of money ever in my life, but, you know, I'd like to make a living wage. My God. (laughs)
0: No, for sure.
1: yeah. So it's, you know, you have you have women that, you know, these are their careers and sometimes they're, you know, the sole provider of a family. So, you know, I don't see I don't see how it's not impossible to pay a 100 grand for every, you know, NBA, WNBA player when NBA players are getting you know i don't know what the minimum or average salary is for an nba player see I, i'm just i don't have the yeah. research behind D- it but
0: this disclaimer the numbers that we're saying are not accurate we're just no, throwing not at out all. numbers
1: i literally make up all numbers unless it's yeah. on my note sheet in front of me No,
0: definitely <laughs> like the livable thing is like that should be the bare minimum for sure yeah. in, in yeah. my and, opinion but also yeah. it's hard because the organization has to stay afloat like the team has to stay afloat so if they don't right. have the if they don't have the like the The margin the profit margin to pay then it's like then it's another then it's a different issue and it's kind of like what do you do i think basically like it's a very complicated problem and no one knows the answer
1: no one knows the answer but i will say i'll throw this out at you so if it's the organization's goal like they're they have to obviously stay afloat so then it's like you know, this is where I think it falls on people and, you know, just supporting and enjoying. Cause I mean, you know, we both have agreed that, you know, some women's sports that are arguably not, you know, quote unquote, fun sports to watch or are not as popular, quote unquote, women's volleyball, um, etc. cetera. No,
0: it's not that they're not as fun. They're just different.
1: Correct. So I think it comes on to people to be like, Hey, like, if there's a WNBA game, you like go like I think more I think if more people got on board with like supporting mm-hmm. and you know getting and this also fall I guess on marketing too it's just like market them better my god like make them you know blow yeah. them up to superstar them. but it's like you know you know support I mean it's just like I, I always I always feel like I had this problem as a swimmer um and as a coach it's just like you know getting people out there I mean I will say sitting at a swim meet for like three hours is tough and you know maybe that's another conversation (laughs) how do how do swim meets need to change because my god like no one's gonna want to do that unless you're a swim fanatic but it's like you know how do you how do you get people to support something that needs needs the money in order to make something happen and it's just like you know i i wish i lived in a town i'm in richmond right now or you know i was in Charlottesville. um i wish i lived somewhere where i could go to like like if I lived in Charlotte, I could go see uh it's the Hornets, right? Or the mm-hmm. Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I wish I could go see the women's team in Charlotte or the uh the DC's women's team. I I don't know the name of them, but it's just like
0: Mystics. Come on, man, mystics. you don't even know,
1: dude. I don't know. Anyway, so watch it, it's watch like you it know, not
0: be, watch it not be the Mystics. Right, just well, like an idiot. That
1: that's not. The, I mean, the Wizards Mystics sounds sounds about right. But it's like you know, it's you know maybe maybe as a society we just need to start supporting women more in their their own sports outright you know it's a it's yeah. a different fun game so it's you know you know getting people out there you know take your family out Go yeah. on a date there yeah who knows
0: well it's tough because even like the like minor league baseball for men's or like usl for soccer mm-hmm. is like the second yeah. division it's like nobody goes to those games either yeah, really no. mm-hmm. so it's like
1: <laughs> oh it's actually I people
0: won't... people don't have a lot of time you know True. like they're always running around doing different things. It's like they're going to see what's blasted in their face and what's blasted in their face is like NFL NBA.
1: Yeah. So again maybe it's marketing, but I will say yeah. Richmond Flying Squirrels minor league team man. I've been to a couple of their games. They're pretty fun and they've got a dope mascot. <laughs> oh,
0: I'm <laughs> sure they squirrels. do. Most yeah. of it, like it's a different atmosphere. It's a lot more intimate cuz the stadiums are smaller and
1: Yeah, right.
0: It's, it's just different,
1: but yeah.
0: Yeah, I think We've gone down the rabbit hole. Slightly. Yeah, a little bit. That's okay. We've we've both... I don't know. We both probably said some dumb things. That's fine.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I will say it's like, you know, I think, you know, women in athletics, it's rising a lot more and a lot faster from what I've it seen. It should be. It, yeah. And I mean, you know, it's like I'm glad because I think it makes everything so much better. Like if I if I was just coaching men, I'd go crazy. Cause some God guys are so stupid. Like my God. And it's just like, That's you know, for sure, for sure. And it's just like, you know, getting to coach women and being a part of a women's sport is it's really, it's fantastic. I, I don't know any mm-hmm. other adjectives. It's just fantastic. So it's, you know, I think we're both in agreement We're just like something's got to change in terms of for women and you can call it equality. You can call it fixing capitalism um you can call it whatever you want but it's like you know there are there's a lot of issues with athletics right now and that goes all the way down from ncaa all the way to the pros and it's just like you know the problems even, are
0: even past that i have my bone to pick oh, with yeah. the youth with youth soccer but yeah you know, we won't we won't go there right now
1: but. <laughs> but yeah it's just like you know there there's a lot of problems and you know tossing ideas out how to fix them is never never a bad thing it's just you yeah. know, we got to, you know, we just got to be there, to, you know, support it and make it, you know, make it fun for everybody. I mean, sports are fun. Yeah. That's bringing, why I'm it, it.
0: bringing it up and having the conversation and making, bringing light to a situation is never, never a bad thing unless no. you're, well, unless you do something really stupid, but, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what is, um, what's the future look like for, for you? So Man. I know that you, uh, your time at UVA has come to an end yeah um obviously you went out in a in a winning way so that's always good it was a
1: really cool way I wish I had the the other ring like the rings we'll get but here's the here's the ring from last year in case people want to see it it's
0: pretty cool we'll get a we'll get
1: a bigger one but yeah I definitely went out in big fashion all the Um, bling bling all the bling bling uh what's up next for me man it's uh you know I was a volunteer at UVA so I was wasn't paid (laughs) funny (laughs) but (laughs) You know, it's, you know, it's the job market, Um, you know, applying to different jobs right now, seeing what comes up. And, uh, you know, um, I'm just kind of, you know, just waiting around, writing a lot of stuff right now, personally, just trying to, you know, collect my thoughts after two years at, you know, the best women's team in the nation. So, you know, it's been, it's been a really great two years. And thanks to, you know, Todd, Blair, Wes, Andrew, Tyler, and, you know, my roommate, Peter, who was the other volunteer and drew the diving coach at UVA, they, you know, um, you know, they were, they were a great staff to work with. I learned a ton under them. So now it's just, where am I going next? And I have no idea. So <laughs> maybe the next time we talk or I have a, a, a podcast, we'll, uh, we'll have an update. Yeah, it's
0: <laughs> it probably, hopefully by the time this is uploaded, uh, you'll have found something. Obviously I've mentioned yeah. before we've been stacking episodes, so I think this one will come yeah. out a little while after it's recorded but yeah it's never a never a bad thing all right dallas where can we where can we find you on social media
1: so you can find me on instagram at at dot com, and uh you can also follow uva swim and dive while you're at it because you know just give them more love man they're they're awesome um i'm trying to think other i don't really i kind of i've kind of flushed out social media honestly like no no more facebook and you know
0: probably yeah
1: yeah so um yeah just find me on instagram coach dallas tarkenton and uh yeah i don't i don't post a ton right now because i'm not coaching so (laughs) but hopefully you know hopefully i'm somewhere i'll start posting again
0: sounds good i appreciate your time i've been on
1: i don't even know how long
0: time's flown by long enough man but um Definitely. Hopefully hopefully we'll have you on again soon. And and with that, we will uh, see everybody next time. Be sure to like, comment
1: and subscribe. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Thanks, Eric.